Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Yes, you are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. And uh, first of all, Happy New Year, everybody. Whoa. This is our first episode of 2017 or 1987, whichever way you want to look at that. Uh, so we wish you all a very happy new year. We took a little break off. Uh, totally there. rad. Totally rad. Absolutely. This is, I mean, we were, I think there towards the end of, of our 86 movies, we started looking at the list of stuff for this year. Yeah. And there's just amazing, amazing things. Yeah. Start recognizing more titles, too. Mm-hmm. And you know what I was thinking the other day? I think that because... Who knows if we'll still be alive? I kind of feel like sometime around May we should do something with the original Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was, I was, right. I was just well, thinking that, that, that the other depends. day. Depends. Are you going to wait for for us, or are you just going to go do your own? I'll wait for you if <laughs> okay. if you guys would actually go see the movie in a timely fashion and be available. Well, I mean, you know, we saw the movie just mm-hmm. it, it was before Christmas. wasn't the most easy to schedule around. Right. Exactly. You could have waited. That's all I'm saying. Or I could offer to talk about it now, which was the original plan. Who poo-pooed that idea? You, apparently. How did I? What? You Because you opened your mouth. Oh. Sorry. That's all right. I'm going to go fill my mouth with food and regret. <laughs> I, oh, man. So it I'm must be a Monday. Hi, everyone. Love you, love you, Jeff. Um, who do I, I obviously have Jeff with me here. Pat, are you there, Hi. too? I'm here. Pat's there. He's just the innocent bystander. And then we've got Bo. Happy to be here. There we go. So, are you, so are since you happy to be here? Jeff is happy to be here, too. Then. So, Jeff, since you brought it up, do you want to go ahead and get us started? How did you feel about Rogue One? I thought Rogue One was a great companion to the overall saga. I, oh, let's I really, I'm going to jump in really quick and remind everybody that we will give spoilers. So if you haven't seen Rogue One, shut your ears now. You know, one of the biggest criticisms I heard of the movie was the fact that there was no opening crawl. And I'm okay with that because let's keep the crawl for the Skywalker saga. Yeah. And let this be its own thing as an offshoot that complements what's already happened. So where does this one rank for you in terms of the other movies? Do you you have a ranking for it or where does it sit Uh, in the pantheon? Well, let's just say one, two, and three are going to be at the low, low end. Okay. Uh, Four and five at the top end. So I think if I was going best to worst, Empire, New Hope, Force Awakens, Jedi, Rogue One, and then a lot of lot a lot of space, and then episodes one, two, and three. Okay. All right. 
let me get to Bo first because I know as soon as I ask Pat, the microphones will explode. <laughs> so, Bo, how did you feel about Rogue One? I liked it. I thought it was good. It, it told a story that we didn't know the details of. I was wondering where the boffins were, but that's neither here nor there. That's for the next Death Star. <laughs> that's Rogue Two, because she doesn't say when she says many boffins died to bring us this information. That was in yeah. Return of the Jedi. So, at some really? point. First one too, no, 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 because the only line we get about them stealing the plans was um, in the opening crawl when it says Rebel starships striking from a hidden base, blah blah blah, and then Darth Vader says something like, um, "Several transmissions were beamed to this ship by Rebel spies." Hmm. But when she says many Bothans died, that's Return of the Jedi. So we could have a Rogue Two that is Episode Five Point Five. I would still like to see a Bothan because I don't think they've ever shown us one. Not in the movies. I no. don't think so. The Zahn, the Timothy, the Timothy Zahn books described them, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, Wasn't... they went into detail, but those are retcon now. Those are gone. Yeah. Yeah. Gone, that's, but that's not all, forgotten. That's all fantasy and nonsense at this point. That's okay, that's okay, part well, of the original timeline. Okay. That's that that uh, that's Ambassador gonna... Spock threw off when he came back. Wait, no, wait. That's the other. That's a that's when it it skewed off. They went to an alternate 1985, and it right. skewed off. Right. And in that movie, Rambo learned how to paint a fence from Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That wax on, wax off scene is my favorite part of Hot Shots. Yep. <laughs> uh, so back to Rogue, no, Rogue One was good. I, it was a fun movie. It was a fun action movie. It lacked some of the Star Wars-iness that you get from the original trilogy and from, I think, Force Awakens, but I think for me, it's a character thing. Like when I, it's some of the same trouble I had with the original, with the first three, even though they were horrible movies to begin with. Like when I sit down to watch Star Wars, I still want to see Han Solo. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't know how I'm going to feel about this new one without it. Yeah. Um, I want to see my, my characters, you know, Luke and Leia and Han and, and, and Chewie and God I, I God forbid a little Lando Calrissian sighting wouldn't kill me either. I, I want those original characters when I sit down to see Star Wars and I think mentally I still have a problem when I sit down and watch one that isn't. That being said, I enjoyed Rogue One as a movie. Um, I just didn't, I wasn't as invested in it as I was hoping I would be, if that makes any sense. Okay. But it was cool. <sighs> So, Pat, I know this is going to be really tough for you. Yeah. How did you feel yeah. about Rogue One? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I guess I can uh, I could sit here and just give my 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 uh, my gut reaction where I just it when when the movie got done, uh, Tammy and I went to see it over break, and when the movie got done, I, I mean, we stayed all the way through the credits, and I think this is the first time that I've actually stayed through the credits, not expecting a scene at the end, but actually just like, I don't know, just kind of letting the whole thing wash over me. I really, I really got, uh, this movie really hit me. I mean, I was, I was just, I was blown away with this movie. And I know I say this all the time. Awesome. You mean you didn't, I just, you didn't see the, you didn't see the Nick Fury scene at the end of the credits. 
<laughs> no, I, I didn't see where I didn't see where Iron Man grabbed a lightsaber okay. and uh, oh, you, uh, missed you it know then. recruited Batman to the to the Justice League. Okay, but um, uh, no, I I was really blown away with this movie, and um, I'll tell you, I um, a couple of things really hit me. I mean, obviously the action and the the, the characters and and all that was 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 pretty cool, but I was really struck with. Um, number one, I was uh, struck by the character of Jin. I really, um, I really dug her. I thought the, uh, the relationship, uh, between father, daughter, I thought was, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's in a sci-fi movie. So, I mean, I'm going to fantasy and getting all choked up about like fantasy or, you know, about father, daughter kind of thing. But I mean, still, I, I thought that was, uh, that story was pretty, uh, that was pretty moving. Um, and, and I was just blown away, like, okay, I, I know this is, you know, I know this is fantasy, I know this is Star Wars, but holy cow, you're presented with an entire group of people that are, are, are completely willing to give the absolute maximum, you know, the, 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 the most they can give. They're giving their lives to make sure that this cause is um, forwarded, this, this uh, the, the deaths of our plants are passed on. Would like, they're the ready to give the measure? full what was that? Would you call it the last full measure? Yes. Thank isn't you. that what? Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of what the phrase is, but I mean, it was, and each character just did that. Yeah. Um, and so I was really, uh, yeah, the whole thing just was, uh, it was, it was pretty intense. So yeah, I really, I really thought it was a pretty, uh, pretty slick movie. I was, uh, I, I'm going to have to see that again and again and again, and I'm sure I will get it the day it comes out on DVD or movie or video or whatever you call it and probably watch it, you know, every day for a week. Cause I really, uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I will fully admit that, that the, when it got to the end and, and I knew that those characters were going to die, um, that I, I, I did have a, a little, a little tear, a mm-hmm. little tiny solitary tear followed by many other solitary tears. Um, and I just was really hoping that they would keep the lights down for just a, a little bit longer at the end of the mm-hmm. movie, especially I, and the second time I saw it, especially I think when Chirrut died, like I, mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he's got to be my favorite character of the entire movie, which then it's funny to me to hear people, um, you know, Jeff, I think you said the, the biggest criticism you heard was that there was no crawl. And the, one of the biggest criticisms I think I heard was that people felt like the characters weren't developed enough. And I don't think that I, and I, I think I mentioned that when I recorded before, but I don't think I felt that at all with these characters. I felt like I knew them well enough that when they gave the sacrifice at the end of the movie, that it meant something. So I, that, that kind of yeah, got to I me feel, when I saw I it. I feel like we knew as much as we needed to right. for this movie to work. Like what more, I, I didn't understand people's criticism. What more did you need to know about these characters? I, I felt like I knew them enough that I cared about their sacrifice. Yeah. 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 I'd agree with that. And I will say again, I still think it's amazing that, that Michael Giacchino had, you know, four and a half weeks to pull off this soundtrack and the job that he did. I've listened to that soundtrack nonstop ever since I got it. Yeah. You know, most, I think most composers have, was it usually like six months or so, or, or maybe, maybe somewhere between like four and six months to do a soundtrack and he was given four and a half weeks. Yeah. And to be yeah, able to was... pull off to be able to pull off all those little hints and, and little callbacks to John Williams stuff is just is really cool. 
Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I guess you could say this about any of the Star Wars movies, but I, I've always loved like, uh, you know, movies that history movies, whether it's historical fiction or whether it's, you know, more documentary or bi- what is it called? Biopic or biopic or whatever you call it. And not that this movie w- was necessarily that, but I was, I, I just thought, Hey, this is like Star Wars history. This is, yeah. you know, and I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but okay. What did, what do they say? The, the, the synopsis for this movie is the crawl from episode four. So it's like, Oh, okay. This is, those weren't just words. This is what happened. This is how it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, they show a rebellion that was in its infancy. You have the extreme radical elements that are, you know, not necessarily worried about saving the good guy as much as just destroying the bad guys in the, the, the form of Saw Gerrera. And they're trying to bring those elements in line as well as secure the, the, the main rebels, um, you know, the ones that, well, we don't want to fight. This is, this is too extreme. We're going to end up dying, you know, and, and they pull out. And then you get the groups like, you know, the, the Rogue One group that, well, we're just going to do what we think is right. We're not going to wait to be ordered to. And, you know, then you've got like generals and senators that are trying to, you know, t- turn this rebellion into something that has discipline and like a like a militaristic kind of uh, uh, ranking system. So, I, I mean, it, it was cool because it it kind of showed a history of what the rebellion was. Yeah, my I'm, meaning. I'm totally looking forward to Ken Burns' documentary on the Galactic Civil War. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. And. Uh, and, and I got to be honest, I mean, I was listening to what uh, Jeff and Bo said about, you know, how this this movie and it's funny because now I'm like, you know, like I said, I mean, I could just be like, awesome. And, and, and this is my Star Wars ranking and this is where Rogue One sits. But now I'm kind of like, you know, starting to get all deep and saying, OK, was this an awesome movie or am I just ranking this on the merits of it being an awesome movie or am I ranking this? on the merits of it actually being a Star Wars movie or, you know, mm. I, I don't, you know, or am I just way overthinking this, but, uh, well, uh, ca- calling it a Star Wars movie though is different now because mm-hmm. every Star Wars movie up until now had to do with the Skywalker saga. Right. So we can't really call it a Star Wars movie anymore because it, we need to, if we do, we need to redefine what that term means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that the subtitle "A Star Wars Story" comes in. They're separating it on purpose, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, I think it's it's okay to call it. I think it's okay to call Rogue One a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. I think that you almost have to start referencing the other movies by a different moniker of some time. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it's it, it's it's a different it's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, Rogue One is it takes place in the Star Wars universe, the Star Wars entity. Whereas now you look at everything else that came before that, and it's all part of that Skywalker saga. Right. The one I the one thing I'd really like to see them do, and I don't remember if I mentioned this, um, in one of the the previous shows is I would really like them now to go backward and do some of, like, the ancient Jedi stuff. Now that we've seen this Jedi temple on Jeddah and the Jedi mm-hmm. temple that's on Octo or whatever that planet's called at the end of Force Awakens, now that we've seen a couple of those 
things. I would really like, and I used to love those comic books back in the day, The Tales of the Jedi. If you guys ever mm-hmm. read those or not, um, I would love it. If and I know they've got those the video games like the Knights of the Old Republic, and I I would like it now if once they get done with Episode Nine, if they'd go backward and maybe do some old, maybe kind of a a little bit of a cross between um, oh like a Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, where you go a little mm-hmm. bit further back in time, and, right? Like really start exploring more of this whole universe, right? Not just from the Skywalker. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Jeff, you bring up a really good point, and I, and I'm gonna actually kind of uh, uh, take that and kind of piggyback off what Bo said. Is you know you want uh, you mentioned like wanting to see more Han Solo, and it's funny because like the original Star Wars, and I think you might even safely say the you know the the original trilogy, the Jedi were were kind of that was a part of the world, but it was completely in balance with you know you've got the you know, the guys that, you know, the Han Solos, the guys that are the hot pilots and, you know, the guys that get in the, the laser gun fights and the, the Jedi are just a part of that world. Whereas the, the episode one, two, and three, that became the entire world. And so this one almost kind of seemed to swing against that and say, well, you know, the, the world was bigger than the Jedi. And so it was, um, it, it was just the kind of, it was cool to see that world opened up and and you get to see that aspect, you know, you, they they showed you that quote unquote, um, that part of of the Star Wars world. Well, definitely, I think all the new Star Wars movies are not going any anywhere anytime soon. Rogue One, up to this point, I looked today, Rogue One has made nine hundred and fourteen million dollars uh, total. Mm. Exactly. And <laughs> I think it just opened in China, so it's still like it hasn't even been out a month yet. Uh, and it just opened in China, and it's already hit like the the nine hundred million mark. So I think I read somewhere Does that anyone it, know what they spent? Uh, I want to say two hundred million. Okay. Yeah, I want to say two hundred million was the budget. So they're paying the bills, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> and, which is funny because people I, I remember hearing on the internet people were were saying they were worried about it because they had to go back and do all the reshoots and. And then the, um, you know, originally the composer, they had the different composer, and then he dropped out, and Michael Giacchino came in at the last minute, and people were worried about it. Like, oh, this may be the first, like, Star Wars movie to really flop. And now it's done nearly a billion dollars. I don't think it'll hit The Force Awakens. I think Force Awakens uh, eventually did two billion. I don't think Rogue One's going to get anywhere near that. But for it to be this standalone story that doesn't feature really any of the major characters from the other movies good on disney for getting this one right mm-hmm. yeah all right well we do do we want to talk some babies i like to talk about babies let's, let's talk about babies but uh if you have not seen three men and a baby we're gonna talk all about that movie so if you have not seen that one you, you may want to back off and come back and listen to this one later um otherwise feel free to continue listening uh if you can really quickly if you can leave us a review on itunes uh, we would love to hear from you and hear how we're doing. So go on over there and leave us a review and uh, rate and review and subscribe to the show because we want you to. And we're nice guys, so you should do it. Pick it up. I'm not picking it up. You found it. But we got to do something. One of us has to pick it up. Well, it's not going to be me. Three Men and a Baby is our first movie that we're covering of 1987. So this whole month is kind of 
I was loosely based on the idea of family because we're also doing Harry and the Hendersons, Raising Arizona, and Over the Top. Um, <clears throat> which Over the Top, by the way, hard movie to find a copy of. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you don't when you don't want to pay for a copy, it's kind of a hard movie to find a copy of, like at libraries mm-hmm. and other places. Well, I told but... you, I got the uh, I got the Blu-ray of Over the Top. Okay, I might have to borrow it from you then. I mean, not that I don't already remember most of the movie, but I might have to borrow it from you. Yeah, that's one I'm not sure I've seen. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be new for me too. Okay. Well, maybe we'll just have a viewing party. Ooh. Ooh, over the top viewing <laughs> do party. We, do we dare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be a, a, a no, I'm not gonna go there. I was gonna say it could be a topless viewing party, but No. <laughs> no, okay. No, that, yeah. Okay. Our first foray into video podcasting. There we go. Oh God. Those poor, poor humans. <laughs> Everybody will be asking, like, who's the guy in the Chewbacca outfit? No, that's Pat. <laughs> he's just growling and furry um we'll get you the bandolier that's right so it's all you need is the bandolier we don't need to do anything else all right so i'm gonna come to school just wearing a bandolier tomorrow i think that would be and great and then all the kids will be like it's a star wars costume <laughs> who's the wookie oh. yeah all right who brought the wookie all right let the wookie win all right, so Three Men and a Baby came out November 25th, uh, 1987, was rated PG, uh, directed by Leonard Nimoy, who died in 2015. I was about to say last year, but that's not last year anymore. Uh, he also directed Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four. Producers for this one were Robert Court, uh, who also did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Jumanji, and Runaway Bride. Ted Field, who also did Jumanji, Pitch Black, and The Last Samurai. Uh, writers for this one were Colleen Serrault, who did the original Three Men, called Three Men in a Cradle in French, or if I can practice my French here, Trois Hommes et un Coffin. Um, well done. Bless me. Yeah. Uh, oops, yeah. Le crayon est sur la table. Oui. Uh, j'ai, um, j'aime, no, I'm just going to totally mess that up. I took seven years of French, but it's been about 10 years <laughs> since I've spoken any of it, so I don't remember half of it. Your French teachers are disappointed in you, all of them. Okay. Well, if they listen to the podcast and they go rate the show, they can tell me how disappointed they are. Careful. Most of them probably would. They probably would. One still remembers when I jumped out the window. Um, Writers for this one were also James Orr. It's okay. It was a first floor window. It was only like 10 feet up. Um, I remember. You remember that. Uh, James Orr and Jim Cruikshank also wrote this one. They also did Mr. Destiny, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Music for this one was by Marvin Hamlish, who died in 2012, did the music for The Spy Who Loved Me, Lost in Translation, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That, I absolutely made a really awkward typo in my notes here, under the music. Uh-huh. I have it written as The Spy Who Loved Men. Well, you know. If it's really cold outside. That's a slightly who knows, different who knows movie. about old Hollywood anymore, anyway? That's a, a slightly different movie. Okay. Yeah. You all thought we were talking about The Dark Knight Rises, but we were actually talking about The Dark Knight Rising. Rising. Mm-hmm. You all thought we were talking about The Spy Who Loved Me, but mm-hmm. we were really talking about that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, budget for this one was $16 million. Box office was $168.8 million. So it, it did pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually the highest. I didn't realize this. It was the highest grossing movie in 1987. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Like, of all the other I movies guess, that came out that year, I'm surprised yeah. that this one was the highest I mean, grossing I, movie. I guess Star Power. I yeah, mean, you did have Tom Selleck. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so um, speaking of Tom Selleck, said this. So if I'm, I should probably just be looking in the notes instead yeah. of asking this. Was it a summer movie? No, it was like a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, holiday season then maybe. Yeah. It's still when I read that I was surprised. I know. Not that it's not a good movie. I just. Right. I just didn't expect this one to be grossing. of all the different movies that came out. I didn't expect this one to be the. Yeah. The highest grossing one. Uh, so Tom Selleck played Peter Mitchell. He was in Magnum P.I., Three Men and a Little, Little Lady. Wasn't that Tom Cruise's name in Top Gun? It was. Yes, well it was. Done. Oh, There you go. Mitchell. Yes, nice, sir. Nice grab there. Uh, Thank you. He was also oh, in God. Friends and is currently in the TV show Blue Bloods, which Pat really likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Gutenberg, who died after this movie. Um, oh. I, I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> The John notes talked about this. His career died. After I this. I know I had that wrong in the notes too. It was it was his career that died after this. Oh. I thought he. Yeah. Sorry. Well, at I, least he's eligible for a weekend at Bernie's. That's true. There you go. That'd be awesome. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm now picturing a new remake of Weekend at Bernie's in which Steve Gutenberg's career is the corpse. Um. It's just in a in a bag somewhere. Uh, Steve Gertenberg played Michael Kellum. He was in Short Circuit, Cocoon, and the Police Academy movies. Uh, Ted Danson was Jack Holden. He was in Cheers, one of my favorite segments on Creep Show, the movie. Um, and he was also in Saving Private Ryan, the TV show mm-hmm. Becker, and most recently the TV show CSI. Uh, Nancy Travis was Sylvia Bennington. Uh, she was in So I Married an Axe Murderer, the TV show Duckman. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and the TV show Last Man Standing. Margaret Cullen played Rebecca. She was in Independence Day, The Devil's Own, and Unfaithful. Uh, Alexandra Amini played Patty. She was in a TV show called TNT. The baby was played by Lisa Blair and Michelle Blair. Uh, Mary Bennington was the baby's name. And the only thing that either one of those were ever in again was Lisa Blair was in a movie called Morella when she was a teenager. Uh, Philip Bosco played Detective Sergeant Melkowitz. He was in Trading Places, The Money Pit, My Best Friend's Wedding, and Hitch. And Celeste Holm, who died in 2012, played Jack's mother. She was in Gentleman's Agreement, All About Eve, and the TV show Promised Land. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave this one a 74%. Audience gave it a 47%. Um, Siskel, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't get that. I was a little surprised. It, highest grossing movie of 1987, but the audience gives it a 47%. Unless that's a contemporary audience, you know, like going on the... I, I bet it's a contemporary audience. Because I don't know. I mean, I, we watched it the other day, and I don't, I don't have a problem with how this movie ages, but I, I'm wondering if people who didn't watch it originally in the 80s... Yeah, I'd, love to, I'd love to know what people said, because that surprised me, too. Yeah. I, well, maybe we'll, yeah. Maybe we'll go try to pull some of those up and see what people said, but... Yeah, I thought, mm-hmm. and and usually the audience is at least a little bit closer or higher than the critics, but this one was one of those where it's way different between the two. Yeah, On Rotten Tomatoes, but again, when you look at it, that right. you know the amount of money that it made, and it was the highest grossing movie of the time. Right. Um, well, and Cinema Score, so people leaving the theater yeah. when they're polled, they gave it an A minus. So I'm I'm having I'm getting a feeling that that's more of a maybe a contemporary audience that watched it for the first time outside the '80s. Mm-hmm. And maybe didn't enjoy it as much. 
That's that's my guess. Uh, Siskel gave it a thumbs up. Ebert gave it three stars and said that it begins with too many characters and too much plot. Fifteen minutes into the film, I was growing restless. Uh, it spends a lot of time describing the lifestyles of three bachelors who share a luxury apartment and pay, play host to a never-ending stream of girlfriends. We meet too many of the girlfriends and too many of their friends. And then it's the morning after Selleck's big birthday bash, and on the doorstep outside their apartment in a bassinet containing a little baby named Mary. From that point on, the movie finds its rhythm, and it works. So he didn't didn't like it up to that point, but then after the baby shows up, then he likes it. Um, awards for this one, there were not a ton of awards. It won... Uh, an ASCAP uh, Film and Television Music Award. Uh, Marvin Hamlish won. It won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Comedy Motion Picture, and it was nominated for Young Artist Award. Touchstone Pictures presents Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson. Jack! Angela, oh, you look different. What happened? I'm dressed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Three incredibly eligible men hoping to meet some incredibly perfect women. So many women. <laughs> in so, so little time. time. Now, at last, they're about to find that one girl who will sweep them off their feet. <laughs> That's a baby. It's a baby. Of course it's a baby. It's your baby. No. It's not my baby. It's Jack's baby. The child doesn't look anything like me. I have more hair. I want to see the way you three big guys handle this one. I had to go to three different places, buy four different kinds of formula, two different kinds of diapers, bottles, towels, nipples. You do realize she did a doodle. Doodle? Doodle? Yes! Doodle! You haven't been able to work or to sleep. And there's people oh. all over this place for days. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a diaper. Will somebody please tell me what the hell is going on around here? Figure it out for yourself. Are they always this strange? Yes, since they got involved with another woman. Touchstone Pictures presents three normally intelligent men and one little girl. So, uh, what do you want to do? They're about to discover the only thing worse than raising her... Oh, no, no, please, not on the silk sheets! ...is losing her. We should be her family. And let me tell you, the first time you hear the word daddy, I don't care who you are, your heart just melts. Can you drive a little faster, please? Touchstone Pictures presents a comedy about three dedicated bachelors and the one woman in the world they couldn't live without. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say good night, sweetheart. Good night. Three men and a baby. I think she did a doodle. Your turn to change her. I'll give you $1,000 if you'll do it. Not that I've ever had $1,000, but I feel like I've said that maybe a couple of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So as we said before, this was the highest grossing movie of 1987 in the U.S. Um, according to Steve Gutenberg's autobiography, um, originally Michael J. Fox and Tony Danza were considered for the role of Jack, um, the hmm. role that uh, Ted Danson had. Uh, Colleen Serrault, who wrote and directed the original French version, uh, was set to direct this remake, but she actually dropped out after they cast the three male leads. Um, I didn't find out if it was because they cast the three that they did. I was going to say, which one did she have a problem with? Maybe she just didn't like the casting. It sounded to me like she maybe consulted with the casting and then stopped after that. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, director Leonard Nimoy did not get along well with uh, some of the lead actors on set. Uh, that both Tom Selleck and Ted Danson were kind of used to being the bosses, <coughs> excuse me, on their own TV shows. 
and they kind of learned that uh, working for Leonard Nimoy that he was going to be the boss, and uh, that maybe had some growing pains associated with it. Sure, sure. Um, Tom Selleck's role of Peter uh, originally was offered to Paul Hogan from uh, Crocodile Dundee, <laughs> and he turned that it down. Been, that would have been slightly different. Been amusing, yeah. And uh, in the original French screenplay, Jack was an airline pilot. Uh, the director, uh, the person who was responsible for the whole uh, drug part of the story, Paul Milner, had a much larger role. Um, and there was a lot more swearing and a lot more fighting between Peter and Michael. So the like the original film and the French version is intended um, pretty much for adults and not necessarily for kids. Um, I will say that we did when we watched this the other day, uh, we did watch this with the kids, you know, even though there's some language in it and, and some other stuff. We did watch it with the kids and they thought it was hilarious because I remember watching this as a, as a kid, uh, probably watching it when it came out. And uh, so that, yeah, they'll, you know, Nora always likes a movie with babies in it. So we'll, we'll watch this. And of course she thought it was hilarious and nice. most of the other stuff kind of flew over their heads. So, and probably much the same way as when we watched movies in the eighties when we were little kids. Come on. We were advanced. Yes, but we didn't tell people that we understood what was going on. Fair enough. Which is probably exactly what my kids are doing now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to help you get there, that's all. That's, that's fine. I'm already there. I've, I've accepted it. <laughs> I've accepted it. All right. So what is was this a first-time viewing for anybody? Not for me. I think I saw no. it, same, same as you guys are saying, I think I saw it when it came out. Okay. Yeah, I've seen this movie countless times. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it tons of times. This is an odd one. This is another odd one for me in that I think by some weird twist of fate, I saw the sequel first. Okay. Okay. And then I found out there was an original, and I was like, um, hello? Could we maybe? So. Because I know I'd seen the sequel first. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see this for the first time. When I saw it for the first time, it was interesting to see the the character building that they do in the first three minutes. I mean, you learn a lot about these two guys in the first five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because that's exactly what Ebert said he didn't didn't like. Well, see, I think it's awesome. That's the, yeah. When you read that, I was like, oh, that's weird. Because I remember I'm sitting there watching it, and all it is is this music montage. Mm-hmm. But you knew who these three guys were. When the music comes to an end, mm-hmm. the only contrived forced part of that was they had to do his name plaque and say architect because they couldn't figure out how to show you he was an architect. Right. The other two, yeah. you got it. Like, okay. I guess maybe you didn't realize that he was, that Jack was an actor right away, but you knew he was a womanizer. It didn't matter that he was an actor. It was pretty yeah. much the same thing. Exactly. But I mean, it all, they told you so much in those first five minutes. Now you can just get to the movie. Think about if they don't do that well, if you have to do that in the movie, either the movie's 20 minutes longer. Right. Or God forbid, there's 20 minutes less story later. Yeah. I was actually kind of impressed. I'm watching it going, huh. Then you got to add in, you got to add in the whole origin story. Then it becomes an origin story movie, and you got to find out right. how they got the apartment and how they got their See? jobs. And and so I was flipping through the Rotten Tomato stuff just now, and some of the some of the critics were like, "Wow, why are these three successful men living together in an apartment?" And blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Well, you know, because it's expensive to live in New York, and right. we're three guys, 
you can get a really big apartment. I mean, I don't get the sense this is a small place. Right. It feels like a penthouse somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you're right. And what you're saying, I mean, this is this is uh this is a pretty awesome montage at the beginning, because like you said, it 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 did. It wasn't just like a hey, let's just fill in the gaps and and uh you know, it wasn't just a credit roll or anything. I mean, it was, yeah, it was. It was really. Uh, it was really. Uh, it, yeah, it was. That was very cool. So, what do you remember from the first time? Do you remember much from the first time seeing this, or if you've seen this over and over and over again? Like, what are some of the reasons that you would watch this over and over and over again? So, Jeff, you said that that this is one that you've seen countless times. Yeah. Why do you keep coming back to it? I think because. There isn't anything about this movie that I dislike. And I know I can put this movie on and just, I, I can enjoy watching it. Is it the best movie ever made? No, it's not. But for what it is, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, and it, 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 it's okay to laugh at a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the choices and fumbles that these guys have as they're trying to figure out what to do with this baby that they are now in charge of. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's, it's lighthearted. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Pat, now, now having children, did this change watching the movie for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate to, uh, uh, I hate to play this card, but uh, yeah, I watched it again. And I mean, I, when I saw it as a kid, I, I, I laughed at all the, the funny stuff, you know, yeah. obviously opening up the diaper and, you know, the, you know, the diaper falling off and all that kind of thing. But yeah, now having a kid, I, I really I thought they did a really good job of, you know, kind of putting the thing out there that just about every parent um, that every parent goes through. And they, they put it out there in a comic way, but it, it wasn't like completely overblown or overdone or over the top. I mean, you know, I, I remember going to the store and, you know, you know, Tammy, Tammy, I'm going to go shopping. You just tell me what to pick up. Oh, just, you know, pick up this, that, and the other thing. And I go out and it's just like, okay, there's 600 billion different diapers. What, what, which ones do I need? And then I think I did. I think I got the ones that were like way too big. And it was just like, ah, oh, shoot. Okay. And then, you know, like the food. All right, well, do I want this food or that food? Oh, they're allergic to this? Oh, okay. Well, the, and then, <laughs> yeah, I really, uh, that, that, was, stuff, that stuff is a father. That um, was the one, that was the scene that I, as a kid or, or watching this previously, mm -hmm. that scene to me was really not all that funny when he goes to the grocery store. And right. this time around, when he goes to the store, and I, I hadn't remembered much of the scene, but he goes to the yeah. store, and the minute he gets to the aisle, and he's at the end of the far end of the aisle, like <laughs> yeah. I, I said yeah. out loud, "You got to be kidding me!" And I think that was his next line: "Was you got to be kidding me?" And that not scene, that I that scene was shot just so well because you oh, had yeah. a yeah. great reveal of that mm -hmm. entire overwhelming sense of what world is this that I've never had to look at before? Right. That now I need to try to figure out, and I've got ten seconds to do that. And I and I right. love his whole. I mean, that whole scene to me just that became one of the more funny scenes in the movie, as he goes in there and he's like, "Was well, this the right kind of food?" No, that's for a toddler. What's a toddler? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. How old is your baby? And he holds up his hands. About this old. Yes. Yeah. How old your baby is? Yes, I know how yes, old my baby is. 
<laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. Well, oh, and, and the funny thing, too, was watching this with the kids. Of course, Nora, she's six, and she's watching this, and she's like, why do these guys not know how to, how to take care of a baby? It was the first part when they first get the baby, and she won't stop mm-hmm. crying. And, mm-hmm. and I, we're just, Sharon and I are just sitting there, and Nora keeps going, duh, pick the baby up. Mm-hmm. Just pick the baby. She just wants to be picked up. Just pick her up. Did you tell Nora that there's just it's just not funny if they knew what to do? Well, right. I said, yeah. I mean, that's wouldn't I said, wouldn't the movie be a little bit shorter and and not quite as funny if they knew it? And she's like, well, yeah, I know, but I just want to talk to the TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and I gotta say, I mean, and I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure there is a long list of of people that are much better parents than I am. But my gosh, there are times and there were times when it's just like, okay, I, I just I just don't know what you want. I'm just not sure. I'm picking you up. I'm putting you down. I'm doing this. I'm doing that, you know. And you're just doing all these things to, to just try and calm the thing down. Well, you just and, want a little uh, help. You're like, you know, give me something for the effort here. And yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, and, that's, and I guess that's one of the differences between the French version. And, and like I said, I tried to track well, down the uh-huh. French version. I could, well, yeah, there's a lot more French accents in the, in the French version. Um, and although, which, which I thought was kind of a funny callback when he's giving her the bottle, when Ted Danson's giving her the bottle and he's doing the whole French waiter thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I wonder if, the, wonder if the, in the original French movie, did they do that? <laughs> or was he an American an waiter? waiter? Yep. Yeah, so he goes to give her the bottle, and he's just like, "You want fries with that?" <laughs> That's it, man. But in the, I guess in the original French movie, they have much less of a, oh, much less of a connection. What I was able to find about it, I was able to find the trailer for it, and I was able to read up a little bit on it. And I guess it's a, it's a more adult movie. It's still comedy. It's still funny, but in kind of the French comedy way that maybe is a little bit darker too. Um, that. There's a little bit less of a, I don't say there's a little bit less of a connection with the baby, but I mean, they do go through, I guess, a little bit more in depth on how this baby is changing their lives. Um, but like in the, I guess in the French version, when he, when Jack calls his mother or Jacques, I guess in the French one, uh, when he calls his mother to come help in the mm-hmm. French version, it's more of a, I'm just going to hand you this baby and you go take it. And I don't ever want to see this baby again. Whereas mm-hmm. in the American mm-hmm. version, it was, you know, I, this baby's great. I love this baby. I just need some help. Uh, he does say, why don't you take her? Right. And I'll see her, what does he say, at puberty or something? He like says, when, she, when she goes to college. That's it, when she goes to college. Yeah. yeah. So, But I guess the French version of it, I, there's a little bit less of a, I don't know if there's, there's a little bit less of a relationship that's built between. Okay. The dads and the baby. I I would still be curious to go see it. I, I want to try to find it at some point and, um, you know, see how different it is. Some of the things I was able to find, like from the trailer of the French one, it's it's scene for scene exactly the same. Like changing the baby's diaper on the couch, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and some of that other stuff. It's it's scene for scene where he's running down the stairs with a package of drugs and he trips and falls and it all flies out. Um, you know, some of those things are just taken directly from. The French version, which just came out, I think, a couple years before this. I think it was 85 mm-hmm. um, that that one came out. But, yeah, I, I yeah. remember I remember watching this as a kid, and I remember watching this several times. The Now, the sequel, I want to say I've only seen once or twice. Um, might have seen it when it came out in, in theaters, um, just because we watched this one a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember the sequel as much, and I think there's a couple of... 
there's a couple of things from the sequel that I maybe I thought I had blended them into this movie. The sequel, having seen both movies and seen the sequel, the sequel is actually borderline ridiculous. It's almost slapstick mm-hmm. in some of the stuff that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a better movie. Yeah, I had doubt. because it had been a while since I'd seen this one, so I think I blended in my mind some of the stuff from from mm-hmm. uh, Little Lady and and this one, like the uh, Tom Selleck's character um, offering to marry um, Sylvia. Oh yeah, know, that he's fallen in love with her, and it, for some reason I kept thinking, okay, at the end of this movie, that's how he's going to get her to stay. Although, if you think about it, he is the one who says she should stay and move in, right. and so they lay the groundwork for that, for right? Sure. Yeah, I just had kind of, I had in my mind that that was something towards mm-hmm. the end of this movie. But then as the movie was going on, I was like, oh, they're going to need a whole other hour if they're going <laughs> to introduce mm-hmm. a love story here. Right. I really, and and I thought the way they showed the, the relationship between the, the three dads and the girl, or the, the baby, I, I found that really touching. I didn't, I didn't find that, I didn't find that overly cheesy. Um, I found it. I found it really touching, and I, I was like, "Wow, this is this is just really, this is really cool." And to be honest, it's it's really believable, um, especially when they kind of. Um, I, I think they had uh, already, you know, defeated the drug dealers and gotten them caught and in jail. And it showed it was like the little montage with mm-hmm. how they made it work, and she went with him to his. Uh, his uh, uh, play practice, you mm-hmm. know, and she had the little pink hard hat and they, she, you know, she wormed her way into, into their lives. And I, I really found that, I really found that touching. I didn't, I didn't think it was cheesy. I didn't think it was too over the top. I, I just really. Yeah. They like, found a oh. way to make it work. Yeah. And but, uh, more so that they were okay with how they were making it work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, when she was gone, how they all just missed her so much. I mean, I started getting all choked up when they started, when, when he put the song on the jukebox and then it, they were all sitting there like watching the video and like looking at the little pink hard hat. And, you know, he, he, he pulled out the pillow she was sleeping on and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is uh, I, I just, I just thought it was, a, I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very well done. Like do the eighties thing and, and just run, run really fast to the airport. Mm-hmm. Like you got to get mm-hmm. to the airport and stop him. And yeah, that was that was get so caught easy, get caught it? going through security and and have right. that take up some uh, some necessary time as well. That needs to happen. You know, basically the end of Crocodile Dundee. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things I thought was kind of interesting about this, and I hadn't thought about it before watching it this time, and I I probably only thought about it because I knew we'd be talking about it, um, is how different this movie is from other 80s movies that deal with men that, and especially kind of the actors that were chosen for this, maybe a, Steve Gert- Steve Gutenberg a little bit less, but I mean, you've got Tom Selleck, who is Magnum P.I. You've got Ted Danson, who is, you know, from Cheers. So you've got, you know, kind of these very male masculine characters or these male masculine figures and a lot of the 80s movies up to this point, at least like the action movies, some of the other stuff we've looked at, you know, you've got things like Die Hard and Rambo and, and that stuff. And then you've got this little movie. And I feel like this is, there have probably been other, others, but I feel like this is one of the first times that you get a movie where men are allowed to be something other than macho and it's okay. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if you guys got that vibe too. I, this time I hadn't thought about it before, but again, it's been years since I've watched it, and I, I probably was only thinking about it because I knew we'd be discussing it on here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I was trying to think about whether or, or what their what the actors' personal lives were like at the time of making this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, were they were the actors also? pretty well-known bachelors like i i actually looked at do you know the answer to that i don't know the answer okay i actually looked I, this I up i want to say yes they were okay well, i i actually looked this up and um it was steve gutenberg and tom Selleck were bachelors ted danson was the one who had been married for a while so <clears throat> they actually before uh, they were filming the movie um tom Selleck and steve gutenberg took ted danson out to clubs to kind of mm. get him back into like, you know, this is what it's like to party and be single and just so that they could have that attitude for the movie when it started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I was thinking as they cast this movie, why not cast well-known bachelors? Right. Just so you have that extra understanding of, wow, yeah, how how would Tom Selleck handle, not even the, his character of... Uh, Peter Mitchell, the architect. But right. how would Tom Selleck handle having to deal with a baby? Mm-hmm. If if he if they are are to be known uh, known bachelors at the time. So I thought that that may have had something to do with the casting process. Yeah, I, I looked at a few of the other names that they kind of bandied about for people that were going to be in this movie. And at one point, Michael J. Fox was considered. Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered. Um, I'm here to change. <clears throat> Yeah. Your diaper. Open it yeah. up. Help it. Open it up. Let's see what's in there. Oh my goodness! Well, Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I think. I think. Uh, I, I think you know. It's hard. It's hard to imagine this movie with other actors because I, I just right. think these guys were were very genuine. And it's funny. I heard um, something like completely unrelated to movies. I, I heard them. Um, uh, it was actually. Uh, it was uh, like a sports radio thing, and they, I guess there was some hard hit at the playoffs this weekend. And you know, there were different people calling in and saying, "Oh, well, that's football, and you just got to be tough and come on now, and blah 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 blah, and you got to man up, and all this kind of talk." And the radio announcer um, was was talking, and he just said, "You know what? I'm kind of sick of that because it's like everyone can sit back and say, oh, well, you got to be tough, and you got to be, you know.'" The, and he said, "You know," and he actually referenced. Uh, uh, the the Die Hard movies. So here's our connection back to the '80s. Yeah. And he says, uh, he says, um, you know, it, it's not like Bruce Willis and Die Hard, where he steps on shattered glass and, but he's still okay and can go fight bad guys, right. or he gets shot up and he can still fight bad guys. You know, in the real world, when you get hurt, um, it hurts, and it's it's only a very few people can like you know get pounded up and 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 what I thought was cool about these three guys is is they, they almost represented kind of like a little bit more of a real world person in that, okay, yeah, they were manly guys. They were bachelors, but, um, you know, they, they, like they're, they're, they're all, they come, they can't come to grips with having a baby or, okay, we finally, we can go out and we can get back to our wild lifestyle, but 
oh my gosh, why, why is he not answering the phone? We got to get back to him. Where is everything okay? Why right. didn't you pick up the phone? Part. And the next scene is them putting a phone in the shower. You know, <laughs> I mean, never it's... put a phone in a shower before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was I, Nora. I just... Nora actually got the uh, the ironic comment there. It's like uh, you get get many calls in the shower. A steady stream. <laughs> Nora turns around. Yeah. Ah, I get it. That's funny. Good girl. So, yeah. So I mean, I was really. I, I just thought that that these. These actors really, it, it maybe is realism a wrong word for it? I, I thought these these no. guys were maybe like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, in the in the kindergarten cop sort of style of right. okay, it would have been funny, it would have been humorous, but you still have this kind of larger than life guy that can tear people's heads off and you know can't be killed by mortal means. And then you got Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think these guys were, they, they seemed kind of like real people, yeah. you know? It's not a tumor. It's a baby. <laughs> yeah. We'll name her and Tumor. Wanna, no, her name's Mary. I, I'm going to call her Tumor. And I, I, uh, I do want to say, too, I love the scene where they're talking to the drug dealers and Tom Selleck, they got him on the phone and he's like, now you look, you listen here. This is the way it's going to go. And then he puts the phone down. He's like, I can't do this. I'm so nervous. Yeah. I thought... Mm-hmm. I, I, and especially because, you know, the other things I've seen Tom Selleck in, it's either Magnum P.I., which, you know, he's the ex-military, you know, private investigator that, you know, surfs and drives a Ferrari, or, uh, or uh, uh, Frank Reagan, the police commissioner, who's like a steely-eyed law enforcement kind of guy. And so it was just like, man, it was... Uh, I thought I thought he uh, I thought these guys did a good job, really. Well, and that's one of the other. It's funny because that's one of the other criticisms about this movie you read about a lot is the drug plot line. Yeah. E mm-hmm. plot. Does it even need to be there? It's not there in the French version. And so you wonder, like, was there even a? Was it even necessary? Right. I think it was funny. It, what I've, you have that whole thing with Detective Sergeant, what's his name, with yeah. the baby stuff, and that's funny. What I've read about it is they added it in because there was so many, because it's not in the French version. In the French version, I think he just drops off the drugs and that's it, and the drug dealers go away. The drug um, sort of disappears. Right. Yeah. And in the American version, what I've read about it is some people have said, well, we think they probably added this in because you had so many cop movies that were popular you had beverly hills cop you had the police academy movies you had you mm-hmm. know american audiences love a good action piece and you i guess they felt like they would be <clears throat> wasting as, as you said you we've seen these other guys in in very manly roles um except maybe steve gutenberg but that you'd be wasting police academy well yeah sure that's manly <laughs> um but that you might be wasting their talents if you didn't add in a little bit of an action thing in here to show that uh, you know not only can they take care of a baby but they're heroes too yeah oh so and how many times do you get to see a a guy carve open a diaper with an exacto knife and stuff heroin in it only three or four times in a lifetime exactly yeah what were they saying when he was when they were going out okay now remember the, you know, the baby's in here, the formula's in the fridge, $30 million worth of heroin is in the diaper pail. <laughs> and I know it's, it's like, okay, haha, but that was a really funny line. I think Steve Gutenberg delivered it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Heroin's yeah. in the diaper pail, <laughs> yeah, diapers then, are in the cabinet. And then Ted right. Danson repeats it all back to him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. 
So, Funny stuff. Uh, I, I, I mean, I really enjoy this movie. Like you said, Jeff, I kind of, I think I feel the same way. It's just one of those that you just, and I haven't watched it in years, but the moment that I, you know, mentioned, hey, we, I, I got to watch Three Minute Baby for the podcast, it's like, oh, I haven't seen that one in, in a long time either. And everybody just kind of like got all cheerful and was like, yeah, let's just watch a movie. And mm-hmm. it's one of those you could just throw yeah. on, and you know, you're yeah, going to enjoy. It's one of those, like, if I'm flipping through the channels and this happens to be on, I'm done flipping through the channels. Like yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll pick it up wherever it is in the movie and just enjoy the rest of it because I just it, it's lighthearted. It it's it's a feel good movie. You know, it's it, it's a good time to uh, to put it on and and watch the craziness ensue. Yeah, it's cute and it's funny and and you can once you've seen it once you can pick it up anywhere so it's a great channel flip movie so you come in 20 minutes late no big deal here you go yeah yeah the diaper changing stuff was funny when they peel off the diaper oh that was and then how does all that come out of something so small yeah and then ted danson ted danson shows up and he's like god what have you been feeding her exactly well, that was and 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 some of that stuff to me now, having had kids, is is so much funnier because I do remember when and I forget which one of the kids it was that my brother was over one time and uh, one of the kids was a baby and yeah, I needed to change the baby's diaper and I knew that my brother not really I'm not I don't want to say he's not great around kids because he was good around kids but he's just not used to babies mm-hmm. and not used to the things that babies do and the things that babies create. Um. And so I remember going to change the diaper, and, and this was, you know, kind of early on when they're little, and and the products that come out of the diaper sometimes are different colors than what mm-hmm. should naturally be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one particular time it was bright yellow. Mm-hmm. And so I called right my brother, on. and I'm like, Brian, come take a look at this. And he <laughs> and he he walks in, takes one look, and just goes, yeah, and just very quickly turned and ran right out of the room. That's awesome. But you know, scenes like that where they when they open up the diaper and they just both recoil. Right, right. Which I mean, and that's the harm. And that's kind of the nice thing is those are the harmless diapers. Right. When they're still on, when they're still on uh, uh, mushy food, mm-hmm. like it might be different colors and it might be that it's it's when they start eating solids that it's just right. like, oh dear God, what what is going on here? It's going to take more than one package of cotton balls to clean that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There are a lot of great one-liners in this movie, or yeah. uh, or, or like some, just some great throwaway lines. Yeah, that if you're not like again, if you're not really paying attention, you're gonna you you're just gonna miss uh, you're just gonna miss the line. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at I'm looking at some of the lines right now. There was one in particular I was looking for, but as I'm reading through some of these other lines. Uh, you know, there's one point where Rebecca's like, Jack has a baby. And Peter responds with, yeah. I realize such a concept tends to negate our belief in a benevolent God, but yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, yeah, was, right. that was one of my favorites. Like, oh, yeah, that's the one. I, I think, uh, Go I ahead, think, I'm sorry. Uh, well, so another one is with Mrs. Hathaway. She's like, I love kids. Unfortunately, Mr. Hathaway and I aren't able to have children. He has a low sperm count. And then Michael <laughs> responds with, some guys have all the luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, the line that I was looking for, and I want to make sure I got this right, was right at the end of that diaper-changing scene where Peter just says, 
the little insect was just waiting for that diaper to fall off. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think, uh, I think one of my favorite one of my favorite lines from the movie and one of, one of my favorite scenes, and I know that I did this a couple times too when the kids were little, was uh, they, uh, I think it was Michael walks in and Peter's, uh, Tom Selleck's character is in there with the baby and he's like, and the champ caught Smith with a savage left hook. Like, what are you reading her? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I read. It's the tone you use. She doesn't understand words anyway. And then he goes on to read this very, you know, savage yeah. review of a boxing match in the Sports Illustrated. And I'm just like, I, you know what? I, I probably did that several times. I probably oh, yeah. read something that I wanted to read to the kids. And I just knew that, you know, it's, it's a little bit like talking to a dog. As long as you do it mm-hmm. in a certain tone of voice, then that's really all that matters at that point. And, what was the scene that what was the scene there was something and I think it was when they were going to bed and, and they finally got her to sleep and they just they like hit the couch and then you heard her crying again and they just don't both go shoot you know what was I, was I can't the, remember what it was but it was, it's just yeah, like they had so the, it's when, they had the it's windows when Jack open. first comes home yeah oh, okay it? and they think he's an intruder and Peter attacks him and all of a sudden the, the he's like what's what's going on here baby starts crying and then that's where they respond that's right that's right oh i thought you i I thought for a second you were talking about the scene where they have the windows open and you hear the police siren get up and start trying to keep keep the noise out as much as possible right and i love how they go to close the windows and then they just stand there like they're blocking the baby from something yes 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 like somehow by putting your arms out you can block sound (laughs) yeah but it's such a great moment too because it shows just how inept they are in in the reality of taking care of a baby right and just also that that hope i think that anyone that's ever had to take care of a kid or that has kids of their own you just hope to god that sound did not wake up that kid yeah Mm -hmm. and you're willing to you reach the end of your rope and you're willing to do whatever it takes even if it means taking a defensive pose (laughs) trying to block noise Mm-hmm. I also like the uh, the back and forth as soon as uh, when Michael returns and finds the baby and he has Peter come to the door like yeah, uh, or Mike, Michael's like well that's a baby Peter's like I know it's a baby, it's a baby. <laughs> what's it doing there and he's just like it's sleeping, it's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> or then they call back to the, that same joke they call back to it later Yeah, I know it's a baby why does everyone keep saying that? Oh, it's a baby. <laughs> oh, it's a baby. Oh, is that when uh, when the guy from Hungary is there? Yeah. Yeah. He did a doodle. Yes. Don't they doodle in Hungary? Babies don't doodle in Hungary? Oh. oh Jack's in Turkey, which is exactly where I would be if my baby was in New York. <laughs> which is that's another one of those great lines. <laughs> yeah. When I love just this is away from the baby, but I love when he calls and the cop can hear the phone call, and he's yeah. just like, "Yeah, there's so much stuff here. Yeah, I'm gonna just get a whole bunch of it and send it back." And like, in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, "Yeah, that's great. Okay, goodbye." And uh, that was that was funny. I did like when when Jack gets home and they just they like hand her off. They're like, okay, she's yours, so now you take care of her. And he starts asking, like, trying to ask questions, like, what I'm supposed to do? He's like, no, now it's your turn. He's like, okay, I'm an actor. I can do a father. 
shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> and he's like, good night, Jack. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. And she starts to cry. He's like, what's wrong with her? Good night, Jack. And they just totally leave him. They're playing yeah. pool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think we should help him? Uh, give him another half hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, again, I really, you know, this, 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 uh, I mean, it was a, it was a heartwarming story and, and they hit on so many different little idiosyncrasies of, of, of being a parent and figuring a kid out and, 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 or watching a kid. If, if you're not a parent, you know, like, like taking care of babies, I, I really think the three male lead actors are not just males, but I really think that the, the three lead actors, I think they, they brought this thing to life. I mean, they really, they, they made it happen. They made these stories, um, cute and heartwarming and, uh, um, they, I think they really made this movie. So, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our discussion on three men and a baby. Um, this has been four men on the podcast, but three men and a baby. Um, we have coming up in the next couple of weeks. We've got next week is going to be raising Arizona. Um, have not seen that one in a long time. Have you guys seen that one before? It's I think been- I've seen. I, th- I think I've seen parts of it. I okay. can't recall ever seeing the whole thing. It's been a long time. Okay. I've never seen it. Okay. And uh, Harry and the Hendersons, which we just watched with the kids maybe like a couple months ago. Have you guys seen that one? Yes. It's been years. Oh, yeah. I, I know I've seen it. But okay. I, I, I own that one. That, I mean, that's, an, that's another fun movie to put on. We yeah. just sort of be like, you know what? I just need somewhere I don't have to think too much and just feel good at the end of a movie. Yeah. Love the movie. Used to watch it multiple times as a kid, and then used to watch the TV show too. I never got into the TV show. Okay, yeah, not quite the same. I mean, the dad the dad was good in the TV show, but he wasn't John Lithgow, and there's a big difference between John Lithgow and somebody else. Uh, yeah. And then uh, we're gonna finish off the month with Over the Top. <laughs> so your family arm wrestling movie. There it is. All right. Well, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, we are at, uh, you can start at our website. It's 30podcast. That's 30podcast.com. From there, you can find the other ways to get a hold of us. We are mostly active on Twitter, at 30podcast, um, but we're also on Facebook. We also have a Gmail address, 30podcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram. We're on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play Podcast, iTunes. You can just listen directly from the website if you want to. Um... We need but, to update the website. Which part of the website? The uh, the list of movies. Oh, is it different? Right now it's showing September, October, November, December. September, October, November, December. All right. Well, yeah, take I, a look I, at I it. clicked on the About tab on the website. Oh, boot? That, see, that was the one part I did not remember hmm. to update. I updated everything else. I updated all of our banners on Twitter, so it now says 1987 and... Wow. Did all that stuff, but yeah, it's got the September. September, October, November, December. All right. We'll go fix that, and then it'll have I mean, it, don't, I mean, the website looks great. I haven't looked yeah. at it in a long time. I enjoy the website. It's lovely to look at. It's very pleasing. I, I paid top dollar for it. Did you? And, and by top dollar, I mean it's totally free. <laughs> it may not be the top dollar, but it's the best dollar. It's, it's one of the dollars. It, it, it was under a dollar there you go free 
All right. Um, well, then, until next time, thank you, Bo. Thank you, John. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a slice. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, so if you want to take a look at those movies ahead of time before our next shows, uh, again, next week, Raising Arizona, in a couple more weeks, Harry and the Hendersons, and then finishing it off with Over the Top. Then if you want to even get ahead for February, we've got Overboard, Moonstruck, Summer School, Roxanne, and the Lego Batman movie. Um, so that'll be another fun one. Love that movie. I have never seen that one. So that'll be a brand new one for me. Actually, Overboard and Summer School will be the new ones. Summer School. Is that Mark Harmon? Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, you've never uh, seen Summer School? I have not. Kirstie Alley's in that too, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah, I've never seen Summer School. Summer School? No. It's so so bad, it's good. Okay. That's one of those. You are in for a thing, man. Oh, good. Oh, it is so fun. All right. Well, now I'm excited for February. Cool. All right. Well, in the meantime, go watch some good movies. And uh, if you have to change a baby's diaper, it, there's the little tabs. You just use those. Yes. And, and that's our word of, the, word of wisdom for the day. There you go. I like it. All right. Okay. Everybody take care. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Say good night, sweetheart. Good night.